Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome myself back. Welcome yourselves back to the Ezra Lip Hour, more or less. The long-awaited second season begins now, and some people would call a, uh, a, a first season of 20 episodes and then a long break. Not much of a first season into a second season. They would just call it Ezra uh, forgetting to do his podcast. And, you know, you might be correct. You might be correct, but let's just call it a second season for now. It's been, it's been a while, and I'm I'm really thrilled to be back. A few things. I'm trying to shorten up these intros, so I got a I got a three minute timer that started, and uh, you know I can I tend to go off for ten minutes plus on these intros. I think that's unnecessary. As much as I love talking, so anyway, I might abruptly cut myself off. I got about two minutes and three seconds left. Uh, where are we? So we have a very special guest today, my bandmate uh, as of the last year and a half in the Animal Liberation Orchestra, ALO, and also a, a longtime Jack Johnson band member and solo performer and multi-instrumentalist, songwriter, and all-around really creative, really kind, amazing, uh, and uh, somebody who who I've I've gotten to know and love over the last um, couple of years. Uh, my buddy Zach Gill will be will be talking to him in just a moment. Anyway, just wanted to say I've I've really missed you guys. And if you're uh, tuning in for the first time, welcome, welcome. And if you're a longtime listener, thank you so much. And uh, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna get get a few more of these out. I'm not gonna make many promises to you because I've done that in the past and. You know, sometimes I keep them, sometimes not. It's better if I just don't say much. Um, anyway, um, I think I might, uh, I think I might end this intro early. I got, oh, man, I feel like I'm just watching the clock go down. This is this is kind of nice. Um, what was I gonna say? Is there anything else I wanted to say? Oh, yes. Um, this interview, particularly the first part, I'll just say it doesn't sound great. I don't want to dwell on that fact, but let's just say there were technical difficulties. I will take the blame, even though it's really Zach's fault. But you can't blame him because he didn't know any better. But it, I, I, I should have, I should have prepped him. But anyway, it, it's not worth getting into. So I, I apologize. It gets a little better as it goes on. I did my best to clean it up. It was painstaking. But we don't have to get into that. But anyway, without further ado, I hope you enjoy. I'll talk to you a little bit at the end of the episode. I got ten seconds left. And uh, please enjoy this long conversation that was recorded several months ago with the one and only Zach Gill. One thing I always like to ask people, uh, especially when they have family is and they're a touring musician, is, is how they've managed to uh, mm. work with that and balance that over the years. And I know that family is really something that's important to you wondering if you could describe how that experience has been through through the many years you've been on the road doing this yeah i mean it it, it is the uh it is the hard piece of the puzzle and it kind of continues to be on lots of levels you know um yeah it's just it's you know it's a, it's a they're a bit of one 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 requires you to be at home and the other requires you to just not be at home as much as possible and it kind of seems like the the livelihood of both is like based on that thing you know so you're always trying to 
balance them. But you know, it's I mean, it's not to say that like sometimes it's good to travel too. I mean, that has been good for my marriage on on other levels too. You know, like to it's get good, away you, you from know. your yeah, yeah, have space and you come home and everybody's excited. Except when they're not, you know, but which it does go that way sometimes too. But, but when it, when, you know, when it's like, it's totally a balancing act. It's way better now. It used to be like, it was really, really hard for a couple of years, uh, maybe like in the mid 2000s, but it's, it's way better now. But I'm still a little like, uh, gun shy from it. It like definitely colors so many of my decisions and it's a weird thing too because i have like a, a weird fe- like when things are going well i am always like up oh, the the better they go the more um it means like you know navigating that little that little thing which is always kind of difficult for me what i can you explain that well like uh you know like it you know it's it's like well, you're like, you know, Jam Cruise seemed great, seemed like people were really excited to see ALO, and um, it always seems like more, the better, the better something does, the more, you know, people are like, let's take it on the road, you know, <laughs> and, then you, and then you're, then there's that, that conundrum, if it gets successful enough, you know, you can bring the family out and like make more of those kinds of concessions, but, um, but it, you know, it's definitely like something I'm all, you know, it's like I have a lot of uh, creative ambitions. So it's all, I'm like, I feel like I'm constantly like reality checking them against like, oh, wait, that would just mean, you know, time away. Is that really the how I want to spend it? You know, I mean, I guess on some level, it forces you to focus a little more and like take things that you think are, I mean, it's like in the beginning, I was, you know, my, my method of my Method of success was just to say yes to everything, you know, like just every gig, every opportunity, because you're like, you're just trying to make it happen, you know, and um, and then at some point, yeah, I've started saying no to a lot more things. But every time I say no, it's, it's, it's always, (laughs) it's always like, ah, especially if it sounds fun, which it usually does. That's always hard. How do you, how do you make those decisions when to say no what's do you have criteria for that um well yeah i mean one is financial you know like and it's funny that it does come down to that oftentimes but uh you know if you just do the math and then the other i mean yeah it's the two things it's like how much time is this going to take how will there be money um and then and it's really only and then and then you know what if it's not those things then what is gonna what what you know, will I get out of it? Because I do a lot of gigs for free, and I do a lot of like things where you're like, oh, that's just for fun. Because I mean, music's a weird thing. Because it's like both part, it's like uh, profession, but then also it can be like spiritual release. You know, so sometimes you just need to go and like jam with your friends or do the kind of random gig just to be part of it because it just feels like what you need to do. You know. What was the last gig you did that had that feeling? Um, well, I, well, this week, uh, so I got back from jam and this wasn't random, but there was like, and these were pretty easy gigs, but I did like, uh, played like the 50, well, like it's a good example of a gig that, um, I just played the 50th anniversary of the 1969 oil spill in Santa Barbara. Hmm. 
and it was like made a lot of it was like a lot of speakers. I mean, it was mainly like a ra- uh, like an activist rally, you know, sort of get oil out of Santa Barbara, which uh, Santa Barbara kind of claims that the environment. Well, and it's kind of true. Um, there was a, a big oil spill in 1969, and it sort of started the first Earth Day. Um, and started like what's considered the modern environmental movement, kind of started in Santa Barbara. Uh, I didn't so they, that. yeah, yeah. So it's kind of got a deep history with that because there's some of the first oil drilling that happened in the U.S. has been off the coast of Santa Barbara. Hmm. So it's got a long history yeah. with it, you know, and it's got all sorts of. I mean, our our neighborhood's full of like oil. Like I'm all on oil land, you know. There's all sorts of weird relics and pipes sticking out and. And a lot of it's been kind of reclaimed, but, but so anyway, and it was kind of, it was this thing where I was like, oh, this is a good group of people. Like I'd love this, you know, and there were a couple other performers on it, but I was like, it's good. It's one of those things where there's a lot of speaking and, you know, and you're only playing like three songs and, and I wasn't sure how it was going to be. And it was a lot of, it was like an all day commitment to be there, but it ended up being great and super fun and inspiring. Um, and then, and then a few days after, I'd agreed to like do this thing with middle school kids, and I wasn't sure how that was going to be either, because um, it was just sort of a, a favor to a friend. But then it turned out to be totally awesome and inspiring and enriching, and I was really glad I did it. But I kept thinking about like, gosh, I probably would have canceled both these if I could have, you know, like a day before, because it just was like, ah, you know, it's more stuff that, to deal with. And um, but I was glad, really, really glad I did them. I've never actually like regretted a gig ever. I don't think. Really? No. <laughs> I don't that think so. Rare. I that think seems, uh, they've all you know, unlikely I mean, to me. I've, I've definitely. I don't know. Have. <laughs> Some that you're like, I'll never do this again. Yeah, although I've been known to do those again too. Yeah, so it's, it's I, well, hard, I mean, it's yeah, it's like, it. I definitely have, re- I definitely have been like, I'm never doing this again. That was a good reminder to never do this again, but then I do it again. <laughs> yeah. But at, at this point, I'm like, ah, what, you know, I don't know. But it's a, it's a real, I think the family, the family touring musician thing is a real thing. Every, every, it's always been part of ALO and it's always been part of my solo thing. and It's always been part of the Jack thing. Um, but it, but it, you know, it's always been something to, it's like the, kind of like the defining aspect of my, um, thing, <laughs> you know, like, and I always wonder like what it would have been like if I had just, cause the plan was always just get on the road and tour as much as possible. And then there was, as soon as that opportunity came, there was always this kind of limitation, you know? But maybe it's a good thing. I, I really can't. It's just, it's always been, so I can't really say, um, you know, one way or the other way. You know, it's like there was times where I was like looking at other bands and they were out like, because you know, there was always like, especially in the jam band world, there was like the fish uh, story that like, oh, you know, you're supposed to be out there, you know, 200 days a year. Like there were always these sort of like crazy numbers that people had thrown out, you know? That was like that's what you got to do. You got to be out two hundred dates, and then that's what. And then you, you know, you just keep going, keep going for a couple of years, and then it it goes. You know, for um, like that's, ten years. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of time away. I mean, that is a life on the yeah. road. You know. Yeah, yeah, and then if you're lucky, in ten fifteen years, you get to 
pare it down to 80. I know, yeah, yeah which is, that, that's, that's wild. Even like, I mean, uh, you know, I don't even remember. There were some years where we toured a lot, and it was like, the, and it was not even close to 200, and it was so much, <laughs> you know, like where you're like, how did any, what? You know, like, how does anyone do that? Um, yeah. Do, you do you, can you imagine, how, do, I, this is, it's, it's hard to imagine, but can you imagine a life where you didn't have children and picture, do you think you would be in a band doing more of that? Like, would you want to, does that even appeal to you as a, person without yeah would i have yeah i don't know you know that's an interesting question like i've i've wondered i mean i remember um i mean i think that i would have always done music um because there wasn't you know that just seemed i i was committed pretty early on and you know and maybe like burned the other bridges pretty early on i don't know um but so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I probably would have always been out there doing it. I mean, I still see you see like, you know, um, yeah, but I think that it is. Uh, yeah, I'm totally glad that it, it's gone the way it did. Um, you know, there were times where I was like jealous of other bands or other musicians who were out there seemingly like able to tour more, you know. But in the end, I, I didn't see. You know, and I thought that the, the I lost, the I lost you would, for a second. Will you will you repeat that? You were jealous of other were, bands out there. Yeah, there were times where I was jealous of other bands and musicians for the amount of time that they could. I I saw like oh they're out there all the time. And there's a real buzz about them, and um, but you know I think in the a lot of that stuff fades, and I think that I'm I'm really happy I have a family. Yeah, it's not. Um, there are certainly you know examples of, of people that that can't that can't balance it well (laughs) yeah that's that's a trade-off some people well it's crazy too like i I mean i remember one time we were like hanging out with taj mahal and it was like jack and i and he came over to jack's house after a gig or something and and we were all like oh you know and jack's got his kids and i had my kids and everybody's like we had a little campfire and we were like yeah you got any kids taj and he's like oh yeah (laughs) he had something like like 30 or something that's oh, <laughs> like like spread out all over you know like i mean one of those like you know i mean he'd gone through the 60s and the 70s and the free loving and you know early birth control <laughs> scenarios and is you know kind of a blues man but i think you can yeah end up with a lot of children out there <laughs> it's, it's- Sounds if you like practice it, non, if you knowing, practice non-attachment, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, knowing you, it just doesn't really sound like a life you would you would have. <laughs> no, I never. Yeah, no, I was, I was, I was married really early on. Even in my mind, you know, I was always kind of bound for that kind of life. I think. I'm gonna uh, flip flip the topic for a second um, to just referencing a song on your. Solo album. Ezra, are you are you in the bathtub? Yeah, I do all my <laughs> <laughs> I do all my podcasts in the bathtub. It just helps me relax and just kind of have a natural flow. Um, uh, and I, and awesome. it's like I, I'm addicted to multitasking too. So mm. it's been a few days since. So I just yeah. thought I would. Babe. Does it? Yeah, no. <laughs> does it? Do it? Do I sound like I'm in the bathtub? Um. Yeah. 
<laughs> There's some clues. <laughs> what, what, what kind of clues? I mean, it's just you know the the way the uh, the way the bath water just lightly moves in the background. Oh, <laughs> I I see. I think are are you hearing my fish tank? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Your fish tank. <laughs> okay, so it's not that my voice is super reverby or anything. No. No. Okay. No. Yeah, no. we have a fish tank which I. I'm personally like not a big fan of, and I. Um, but it it does exist in our house, and it and it creates a nice. Mm. I, I like the sound of it, but um. Yeah, I love I love yeah. a good fish tank. Yeah. Yeah, but um, it's not, it's for, you know, my son obviously, but my wife, ends up just doing everything, and it just seems like why, do we right? Support yeah, this they life? know they kind of require a lot of maintenance. Yeah. I had. Had that as a hobby as a kid. It was always a lot to do. Yeah, if if he was doing it, I would feel better about it. But he doesn't seem yeah. to care about it, and then it's yeah. just another thing to deal with. So maybe. Yeah, I know. Yeah, simplify. Speaking of simplifying, uh, it's going to be all right soon, and I know that's Uh-oh, no. Oh, I'm losing you there. Hello. Of an endlessly I lo- complex. I lost that. I lost that last part. Okay, I said. Speaking of oversimplifying, it's going to be all right soon. And I know that's an oversimplification of an endlessly complex situation. <laughs> Still, it's true. It'll be all right soon. And I know that soon is a relative term. Could be later today or after your soul's been burned, turned into mush. Still, you got to trust it's going to be all right soon. And in all the churches and in all the songs, the story that's still getting passed on has to do with this little theme of dreaming anew of winter to spring when the ship hits the can and the road gets dark and hope is a tiny, fragile spark. You, you hang in there, dude. It'll be all right soon. Uh, these That's an excerpt of some of your lyrics from a song on Life in the Multiverse, your last solo album called It's Gonna Be All Right Soon. And I I really love this song. I love the uh, the sentiment. And uh, it's, it's and I, 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 I wanted to ask you about that song. And specifically, is this something you believe? Uh, it's, is it going to be all right soon? And I know that's an oversimplification of a question, but maybe you could speak <laughs> speak to that. Um, Ezra, I do believe it, uh, and I'm not sure why oftentimes, but I feel like I may just be wired that way or something. But um, but but yet I, I you know I wax and wane like the moon, and I I don't always I feel like overarchingly it will be all right soon, but sometimes it takes a little longer than. I want it to. And and what can you describe? What what will that look like when when uh, I, I assume the when, collective we has reached the time where you can say, yeah, it's it's all right. Yeah, well, that's a good question. What would that look like? I think it would be a feeling um, and there'd be less looking. It would just be more of a, a feeling that sort of like uh, it would be like a Mona Lisa smile that sort of um, that everybody sort of had. You know, I mean, but, you know, the question is, I mean, yeah, it's like, I mean, yeah, we live in a it is that, you know, sometimes I think like the dichotomy of like the hope. Uh, is what I don't, you know, is, I mean, it, it's, it, there's so many bigger questions to it, you know, like that, is there, you know, where are we headed? Um, you know, what, are, what are we doing? It's like all the kind of, you know, meaning 
sort of situations. Wait, I'm I need to uh, start another track here. It looks like this thing's bigger than I than I thought on GarageBand. There's a max. Okay. Yeah, what would all right look like? Yeah, the closest I can come is a Mona Lisa smile that everybody would have. Meaning but would there always be something that, just like a, a light presence of like, you know, a satisfied mind, you know, like, a, you know, I don't know. I mean, it seems like there's always going to be room for improvement. That just seems maybe hardwired into the situation. So I just don't know if it just keeps if if the if the if it's if that's the dance and it just keeps expanding and expanding and expanding and even if you were in some kind of beautiful utopia, there would still be um, ugliness to it, you know. Sure, but I guess more specifically, or would you know the Mona Lisa smile come with with the time of like you know some sort of world peace or 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 you know basic equity and equality with, with yeah i mean i think i, I mean like the literal to? the yeah yeah I, I think so in the literal in the literal i mean i feel like i mean to get detailed i mean since i know you've That's been reading here for. homo do and and now i'm now i'm reading the follow-up to uh yuval harari's the the one that you were telling me about like 20 21 questions or something it's yeah. it's the that the, the uh, so I've got that and it's great will, and will you, will you for you know, the listeners uh, that might not be familiar just give a, a quick uh, talk about what these books are uh, well there's Sapiens is the first one by I believe his name is Yuval Harar, Harari and he's a Israeli historian and he's awesome books are great the first one Sapiens is a brief history of Homo Sapiens and then the second one is called Homo Deus, and it's a brief history of, or, you know, the sort of the, the future of Homo sapiens, and then this new one, which I'm reading, but I can't remember the title, um, is sort of like, it's very much rooted in the, in the ideas of the first two books, but how they apply to the present right now, you know, and specifically, he's sort of speaking to, uh, you know, one of the big takeaways from the book is that, from all his books, is that over the last hundred years, there's been sort of three stories that were presented to the human race and they have been, you know, fascism, socialism, and liberalism. And, uh, for a while it was, you know, you know, for a long time, it seemed like socialism was actually going to win, you know, fascism was sort of defeated in world war two as a concept. And then, uh, and then in the you know the '90s when the Soviet Union collapsed, it sort of seemed like liberalism had really, uh, you know, this idea of everyone connected by like a ever-growing global economy, you know, and that there would be you know riches for everyone, and that everyone could achieve uh, was sort of the story. And now in like the last you know since really since the millennium, people have seemed to have kind of lost trust in that vision. And so now we're we're backtracking towards like nationalism and fascism, and I kind of feel like there's probably some sort of, um, so you know the the kind of democratic socialism, which maybe isn't the right word for it, but, um, you know if, if you know, and I mean it's true that like the ideas of equality and equity and liberty are are conceptual, and so it seems like we could, um, 
you know, you could come up with, um, you know, uh, a tweak the concept and make it a little more, more sustainable. But there's so many tricky things because sustainability is a, a tricky thing, you know. I mean, it's like liberty makes a, is a great, easy thing to get, to get behind because it's like everybody's going to get to do what they want to do. You know, and then, and then at the point where you're like, when, you're, when your liberty is like, you know, causing the planet to rot and decompose and your liberty is like, you know, squelching other people and, and so you're like, where does liberty stop? You know, I mean, I guess that's the big question. Where does liberty stop? Yeah, that's, that's a big question. It's hard yeah. to know. <laughs> yeah. And you don't want to crush, I mean, because liberty is like the dream, you know? I mean, it's like, I feel like, it's like, um, yeah, it's like nobody wants to be told, like, you can't do that, you know. <laughs> like that, that's, that's not a fun energy, um, but, but, you know, you can't. I mean, she, I mean, so, I mean, because it's the 50th anniversary of the oil spill and, you know, and, and California's been really trying to get, get oil out of California. But, like, I just saw this, read this statistic that, like, the amount of money it's going to, like... Like, basically, like, some of the main oil companies in Santa Barbara County have just gone bankrupt, so they're going to abandon their, you know, offshore sites and their onshore facilities, but it's going to cost billions of dollars to sort of, like, uh, deconstruct these these things, you know, and it's, like, and it's going to cost way more than, like, the state of California ever made off having the oil companies in the first place. Right. You know, and you're just like, God, it's like no one really factored in, like, what the end of it looks like. It's like everybody was just kind of, like, amped on, like, oh, it's going to bring in all this revenue. And it's just like, it's it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to be farsighted and to really, like, think down the line. But that's sort of where we are. I think that's what is a, a good way to go towards. But it's so hard to, like, really think long term, you know. That's not the human strength, maybe. It's also a good reminder of how two, you know, two people or can look at the same thing and, and see different things just on the surface. Like we're like, yes, oil's bad. We need it out of California. And then, you know, that's good progress, you know, cleaning up the environment. And then somebody else with a different mindset, different relationship might be like, that's ridiculous. We're, we're going to waste all this money and you know, we're not going to be bringing in this revenue. I t totally, <laughs> totally. And they're both, I mean, I guess the, the heavy thing is they're both right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you, and it's like, becomes like maybe there, maybe there's actually like, if someone were to crunch the numbers and really do it perfectly, you might be like, well, okay, here, you're going to, uh, save a little, but you know, here you're gonna, you know, what is the, but you know, it's also about the energy and the feel of things. Yeah. It's, you have to look beyond numbers you know? too, obviously. But that gets really crazy too, because the, you know, it, like the human experience is so subjective, mm -hmm. um, that it's, it's, you're like, what, you know, you know, what, yeah, it's like exact the same conundrum that you just said. It feels to me like it's this way, but if it feels to someone else different, how do we, you know, how do we justify and how do we move forward? Mm -hmm. And then it makes sense when you lose trust in like bigger visions. That's when people kind of re revert to nationalism, you know, put up a boundary and like it's a little easier for them to conceive, you know.
So, so given the enormity of the challenges ahead, why would you come to the conclusion that it's going to be all right soon? And I'm not saying I disagree. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Ezra. I mean, again, I, I kind of think that there, and I know, you know, we've had discussions about this, but I, I think I just have a feeling. <laughs> and I know that that's not, um, that's not a great answer. I mean, there's lots of ways that I can say, like, actually, like you, you know, that humans do cooperate. I mean, there's lots of evidence that, like, you know, there's lots of reasons to be hopeful. Sure. And, and, uh, and I find that that's a better place to live philosophically and spiritually for me, you know, than to live like, you know, a great quote from the book that I just read was rather than, um, uh, let's see, wait, uh, oh God, wait, I can't remember it exactly, but he was like, instead of kind of going into pan like panic mode and like doom and gloom mode over the current situation, he's like a, he's like uh, panic and doom uh, have a certain amount of hubris attached to them because they they accept that they they uh, it means that you know what the outcome is and it's you're doomed so <laughs> so what's the point you know you're so panic because this is the worst case scenario but he's like a better way to approach it is with bewilderment where you're shocked and it's like it's crazy and you can't believe it but you don't know the outcome of the future and I mean I think if anything. Uh, his books are really great at being like, no, everyone thought it was going to go this way and it went this way. <laughs> you know, and it's like uh, that we don't, we're not really privy to the future. We have ideas and we have hopes and we have dreams, but there's a lot we don't know that could happen at any minute that would change the whole thing. And I think that that is actually a nice reminder that life is still mysterious. Magic is still among us. In lots of different ways, you know, and, and we uncover new aspects of it, and you know, and then, you know, I, so I think there's, yeah, there's plenty of reason to to, to hope, um, but there's plenty of you know startling data, lots of heavy data, you know. Yeah. Well, for the record, I'm I'm with you on the uh, on the side of hope, and uh, yeah, yeah, but it's. It may just be a story, but it's one that I like. <laughs> well, I mean, but that's the thing. There's every, everything yeah. is kind of a story, you know. Uh, yeah, so it, it's get, true. We, but it is, it, does, it is crazy to me that it's like it's inherent in us. I mean, sometimes I think, maybe, is it just like because, you know, you, get, you see the sunrise. It's kind of like the song. Like, it's, it's all in there. It's just that, like, life is making new life out of new life. And you just, we're part of it. We are it. It, it is us, we're, you know, we're not separate from this cycle that's happening all throughout the universe at all times. And yeah, I like it. Um, I'd like to uh, turn, the, turn the conversation back to music for a second. Sure. And um, you, you occupy an interesting role um, amongst your different uh, bands and projects that you've been doing for couple decades now at least um because well you you so you have this you have like a singer songwriter or songwriter yeah singer songwriter profile which you um is expressed in in your solo work but also is expressed in alo which which you sure uh, i'd say the majority of the songs and and kind of have this occupy that that role to an extent although it is it is 
also, uh, it's a democratic band, I would say, uh, to, to a certain degree, too. And then also, within just ALO, you occupy the singer-songwriter role, but you also occupy the kind of keyboardist in a, in a jam band, for lack of a better word, uh, role, you know, as like, you know, so you're an instrumentalist in the band, too. I'm an instrumentalist, yeah. sure. And then, on, so there's, that's kind of a whole spectrum of, of roles to navigate. And then also, you have the Jack Johnson connection, um, longtime collaborator, collaborator in Jack's band, and also, you know, also I could say sideman, would that be appropriate? Yeah, yeah totally. So, so that's, you know, most people who do music professionally Uh-oh. usually I, kind I of I lost you there for, I, lo- I lost you. I lost you after Sideman. What was <laughs> I was saying, um, I was just saying that a lot of people that do music professionally usually stay in one lane, you know, either they're, mm. uh, they're like a, they're a Sideman or they're a, a singer songwriter band leader or they're, or solo act or they're, you know, uh, more of a collaborative instrumentalist in a more instrumental based group. And, and you kind of na- navigate between those roles often. And I'm wondering if you could speak about what that's been like for you, maybe some of the mindsets, if it, if it takes shifting mindsets, some of the, the struggles you've had going back and forth. Yeah, anything really about that experience. Yeah, I mean, w- one thing that was sort of help- helpful, I mean, it's going to sound silly, but once I started wearing different hats. <laughs> like literally. <laughs> Literally wearing different hats, it helped me to delineate. Because uh, there was times where I struggled. I mean, I, and I think probably, I think most people, uh, you know, you ever see that like uh, that Wilco documentary? Stop! What is it? Stop breaking I'm my heart. I'm trying to break your heart. I'm trying to break your heart. And there's like, you know, there's a lot of band tension in it. And like, it's, I can't remember the other guy's name, but it's like. It's sort of, you know, what starts off as a band, maybe be, it start you know, that maybe, I mean, all bands kind of start pretty democratically or almost like they're like socialists or something, <laughs> you know, they're like, they just sort of start and if there's not, and people pay, take up different roles and it's sort of done unspokenly, at least that, in my experience, like things just start to happen and if there's success there, um, you know, and, and. There were many, many years in ALO where, like, nobody was writing songs except me for the most part, you know? Um, so you just sort, sort of were like, oh, I guess I'm writing songs, you know? And it's not because... I mean, it was partially because that's the way everybody I gravitated, but... Um, and then once I joined Jack's band, it was like... I, you know, you, yeah, I wasn't sure what my role was, and then suddenly that music was so spacious that I was like, oh, I'm the instrumentalist. Like, <laughs> like worse than ALO, that was always kind of felt more to Lebo to sort of fill in the, the spaces, you know? Um, so I don't know, you know, but once I started wearing hats, it got much easier to sort of be like, this fits and this doesn't. There were times where I used to try to make it all fit into everything, um, everything I was feeling, and that was kind of difficult. Um, but, you know, I think that, you know, you're always, yeah, it's like, I mean, I think that, I think maybe it's like you're trying to be, a, you're, you know, we're, we're be, there's, there's personal, there's the personal conversation that, that I might have with myself as a musician, like, what am I trying to do, you know, like, you know, maybe I'm feeling like, oh, I want to, you know, I want to write more serious songs, and I, 
mean, there's always like sort of like what I, you know, what I'm personally into, but then there's also like what does the musical project that I'm participating in need and trying to serve that um, like in a, in a service role less as opposed to like servicing my own ego or artistic ambitions. Um, and I think that that's a good thing to think about in any project you're doing, you know. I think to, to backtrack for a second, if uh, I think what you were re- referencing earlier about the Wilco movie was about um, former member Jay Bennett, and yes. that movie is is like a a good example of somebody who might have started out in a certain role, like seemed like he was kind of a co-collaborator with Jeff Tweedy, and as things solidified, yeah. it kind of became clear that it was really Jeff's. Thing and he just kind of couldn't transition to a role of uh, of a of a sideman uh, and part-time collaborator and really struggled with uh, totally with stepping out of that and uh, totally yeah something that's not not easy and to what effect you know I mean it's it's t- it's not easy and it's like I mean Tweedy um, yeah Tweedy you know it's it's hard to know it's like you know it's like um, it was like a, you know, like James Brown's always an interesting character in my mind. And I re- something I read in like maybe Fred Wesley's autobiography was that like everybody kind of knew he was crazy and like there were these aspects of him that were really hard to deal with, but they also, he also got everyone paid, you know? And so it was like sort of like, well, we're going to just, you know, get behind this guy's vision, <laughs> even though at times, you know, it's totally like Napoleonic and it's craziness, you know, like. But, you know, I, I think sometimes if you're getting paid and it seems to be working, you're like, well, all right, you know. I mean, it's part, sometimes it's like, you. I, I mean, I, again, to go full circle, but like this rise in nationalism that's happening right now, it's interesting that like at the, the start of this sort of 20th century, because we're still, I mean, we're about to hit 2020, which is like the first marker of the new millennium, really, you know. Why is um, that? And, well, they just te- they tend to go in like 20, 20 year increments. Twenty years is kind of like considered a generation. Okay. Um, you know, so like, I you know like historically you kind of, you know, you tend to break things into like you know, yeah, like there's the first you know it's like if you cut the, cut the hundred years in half, you know, you got like the fifty marker, and there's like what happens on one side of the fifties and what happens on the other side of the fifties, and then there's the sort of you know. Uh, you know, if you put things into quarters. But anyway, it seems interesting to me that, like, we sort of, it was sort of seemed like the dictators were were disappearing, you know? It sort of seemed like dictatorship as a concept was just going out of fashion, you know? Like, it just, it was like the countries that had dictators were just so behind everybody else, you know? Um, so it's interesting to me that there's, like, sort of a little movement to sort of bring back the dictator, because um, a dictator can sort of get stuff done quickly um, sometimes, you know, but but maybe, you know, at least that's the, the illusion. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting that you're talking about this because just a moment ago when you were talking about James Brown and kind of saying, you know, he was crazy, but he got everyone paid and kind of had this, this vision, I, I started thinking about Donald Trump. And I was, you know, not to equate exactly James Brown to Donald Trump, uh, you know, James Brown was certainly more funky. 
Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, but kind of, yeah, I mean, I think there's probably similarities there. Like everyone, most people who work close to him reportedly understand he's complete lunatic, but you know, but he's, yeah, but he's getting, he's getting, <laughs> he's getting Supreme Court he's justices. He's getting stuff done, you know? He's yeah. getting judges yeah, in. He's, and he's, yeah, he's, 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 he's moving he's, pieces. Yeah. yeah so yeah. they're like, let's just kind of like ignore all these things, you know? Uh, hopefully <laughs> that will start to, uh, yeah, no, I mean, know, it's, it sort of seems like it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's old, it's old school dictator, like bully sort of, uh, you know, you know, Machiavellian, you know, <laughs> it's, sort of, it's like a certain type of energy that, but it, for, it seemed to have fallen out of fashion for a while in the 20th century. Uh, and I think it'll probably fall out of fashion again. I mean, it, it's like, it's crazy. That, like, it's like, the, I mean, I think that democracy, having been in ALO for so long, and that basically you, you have these moments where you're like, okay, you know, everybody's in these roles, but inevitably, like any business or like any relationship, like people need to grow. And so, you know, if someone starts growing into the role that you're currently occupying, and you and you don't want to grow at that moment, <laughs> you know. You want to stay right where you are. Well, then you know, are you going to get replaced by this other entity, or are you going to like find a new spot? You know, and I think that uh, you know, you we some humans don't always move as quickly as we need to, and we don't, you know, um, we don't all those transitions can be tricky, but but we have to keep growing and we have to keep moving, and we, you know. Are you thinking of a specific example that? might have you've seen in your career where that did or did not happen yeah well i mean i think most of the time when there's um um friction you know like in a band um i think it probably has to do with like what was going i mean i you know in my career i've definitely seen it like i can you know point back to like specific albums and specific times like roses and clover was kind of like an emotional Bit of an emotional roller coaster for everybody. I've lost you. Oh, I can hear you. The last thing I heard you talking about was talking about uh, friction. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that, that, you know, the, the, yeah, people, you know, energetically, like, feeling like they need to move into a different role and somebody else feeling, uh, you know, replaced in that role or... uh, yeah, I, I think that that that's a lot of um, of the issue, you know. Have you have you yourself struggled with having to step out of or grow into certain roles? That that, were... Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, like uh, yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I mean the you know one. Um, I mean, there was you know, there's been like the sort of. Um, well, one one place I struggle is that like, and I think everybody in ALO probably struggles with sharing uh, the sort of leadership, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like you know sharing the vision and then sort of trying to, you know, you know, because like I mean, at any given time, and you you it hits in all different ways, you know. It's like if, um, you know, if somebody's like, here's some artwork for your album, you know, and you're like, you're not feeling it, but somebody else is, uh, do you like, how do you, you know, it's like when, when you do something by yourself, it's, 
and you're just like conjuring, you know, you're coming up with your own vision, you just go with what you like or what brings you joy or what you're feeling and it's it's pretty easy, you know? Um, but then once you get into like deeper collaboration, then all of a sudden you start having to argue for <laughs> the thing you like and sometimes that's, um, you know, worthy. Sometimes in the process of doing that, you end up not liking any of it, you know? Um, is what used to happen to me. So I think, you know, people sometimes either withdraw. I mean, it's like it can happen in, like, marriages, too, where you, like, withdraw energy, withdraw intimacy, because you're like, oh, well, I thought that I'd be able to get, you know, what I was trying to get out of this, and uh, I, it seems to just be, like, I seem to be hitting a brick wall, and so I'm going to just withdraw from that, you know? But I think everybody in the band feels that at different times, or has, um, you know, and I, I think that, and, you know, and then the flip side of that, though, is also that you often, um, there's things that maybe you never envisioned that end up being super positive for you, you know, that, that, uh, that you wouldn't necessarily have chosen, but you're glad that they went that way, you know? I mean, a lot of my life has actually been more in that category than in, in the other, you know? Can you can you think of a concrete example about something that's come to pass that you that only happened through that process? Well, I mean, I even like you know my marriage and like my kids. Like, I didn't really envision my. I mean, I always thought I'd be a dad, but I didn't envision like I'm going to be on the road with you know a two year old daughter and and you know every time <laughs> every time you leave, you're going to feel this like pang of pain I kind of imagined it like as like a gypsy like just free roaming you know like <laughs> um but I wouldn't but it makes the time out more worthwhile and it makes the time back more worthwhile and I like it I would choose it now you know that's that's a good place yeah. I, I will say I will say now keep you know, my experience working with lots of different bands and also now having a, a glimpse into the inner workings of ALO. Um, you guys, ALO definitely seems to kind of be an exception as far as bands that feel pretty, pretty democratic. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm been impressed. Um, I think it's, it's a rare situation that, you know there are certain there are certain roles and different people might have different leadership qualities but as as far as as far as bands go i'd say it's pretty democratic yeah and that's not easy it isn't easy and I mean, there was and it's i'm proud of it um and then sometimes i get uh frustrated cuz i feel like i see things that um well even you know it was crazy to go from alo uh to jack's band you know which is like a benevolent uh dictatorship or something you know where it's like decision making is super easy you know you just get your your orders and you know you might get a phone call that says hey what do you think about this or how would you feel about this I and mean, he's totally um but in the end it's one person makes that he sort of you know takes all the information and then makes the decision where sometimes in alo we like bat the information back and forth but it's hard to make that final decision you know because it's really nobody's um it's nobody's timeline, you know, because it's all of our time. Yeah, we share that that thing. Yeah. And and I think if, if there was a critique to that, which 
or just an observation that I've noticed and, you know, again, limited time, but it seems like maybe some decisions happen just through a, <laughs> a, a leader, a leaderless path of, of no resistance. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, like for instance, this last recording project that we've are now <laughs> embarking on, we, when we were on the East coast, there was all this discussion about, oh, we could do it this way and, and go to the studio and should, should this, should we do it like this, do it like this? And there were a lot of opinions flying around and then, and nothing was really decided. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it was just like, well, I got these tunes. Hey, Steve, do you want to come down to Santa Barbara and check them out and throw some bass on? And then, okay, cool. Okay. We'll send them, you know, send them up, you know, over the internet and, Hey, why don't why doesn't Ezra do some drums in San Anselmo for a couple days and then okay, Lebo's gonna take him home and do some guitar and you know, but it it wasn't as far as I know there wasn't really you know it was just kind of like it just started happening, but it wasn't like okay, this is what we're gonna do. No, you know, I, f- I feel like the cl- in that when I watched that Grateful Dead documentary on Amazon, uh, and I can't remember it was one of like it was like their production manager, um, who I think Jenna still works with. Uh, Steve, Steve Parrish, maybe. Yeah, Steve Parrish, and he kept saying that like they came up with this because you know they'd show up to the venue and like no one would be in charge, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. And, they, and so yeah. they were like, well, the situation is what's in charge, you know. And it's like I feel like that happens with ALO too. It's like everybody's scrambling to, you know, they got kids and they got lives and they got hopes and dreams and everybody's doing all they can to make that happen. And it's like, oftentimes the discussions are almost like brainstorms, you know, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we got together in a barn and we did this and there's like all these idealism and then they're all of a sudden, it's like, well, a deadline approaches and so what are you gonna do? <laughs> you know, and it's like, here it comes, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and in you know, as you know, there, there, there are pluses and minuses to that problem, to that approach too, because I'm sure that, uh, maybe, maybe ALO has, has missed out on certain opportunities that certain people might've been in favor of because of that approach. Well, you wonder, I mean, that's where it starts to get into like the cosmic, uh, you're like, what is the purpose of this band? And I mean, it's like if people, you know, the, the tricky part is like people's livelihoods are dependent on paydays and stuff like that. And that gets tricky, um, you know, with like the time of things, you know, the time spent. Um, but, you know, you you know, again, it's like it's it's crazy how a gig that you you know, so much, you know, so much of it's like trusting. I mean, I think that the, I think probably the reason it works is because at this point we've, I, it's like, I, I believe that everybody's a good person. There's no like, uh, weird, you know, like whatever happened in Pink Floyd or something where you're like, you're like, I can't even be in the same room with those people. Like for the most part, like I, I enjoy spending time with everybody. I really enjoy that part of it. I could do that forever. You know, that's always fun. And playing music's always great. Um, you know, and it's like the... F- so whatever happened in, like, our formative years, like, as long as that part feels intact, um, you know, but it's, you know, it gets... I'm sure everybody gets frustrated by just the scheduling and the timing and all that stuff, you know? Yeah, sure. You know... But if I could, if I could offer a theory, please, you know, kind of bringing it back 
full circle to where we started about having limitations with 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 the band and people having family lives and and not really ever going out 200 dates a year for years in a row and and that thing i i'm i i would i would hypothesize that perhaps alo's moderate limitations on your your schedules have have led to its long-term success that you do all still like each other and you know are able yeah, to I th- I continue think, yeah i think you're very right ezra and it's weird too like i mean you know i looked at jam cruise and i thought well this is like we played this thing like six other times and for whatever reason this is our best one <laughs> like and and i'm not sure why you know and you're like is you know you're like is the is you know you like you know, it seemed like people for a band that doesn't tour that often, people seem really pumped, you know, and maybe that like plays into our favor. Um, it's, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I also, I think per, like one of the reasons why this jam cruise was seemed really successful to me um, was, I think it might've had something to do with the, the we, personally felt pretty connected to me how much time we spent together and and just and and got i feel like we got to spend more time together than sometimes we even do on tour just it felt nice and relaxed and rehearsing in people's rooms and it just felt like we were all connected which i think added to that you know yeah that that first night even just going over that song with leslie like so many times <laughs> like just to spend time and the nights before we left for jam cruise like uh yeah i mean so much yeah I, yeah i think so too and it seemed like everybody you know showed up with their sort of yeah i don't know it, went, it was great yeah that's, that's good. Yeah, yeah, I was stoked on it. I came, I came home. I've definitely come home from Jam Cruise pretty depleted before. Be, yeah, you know, because yeah. we're like when you're like, ah, oh, it's been hard. The shows were okay, but the and the hangs were cool. But then the you know maybe the shows weren't so great, and then you just like don't get much sleep, and then you're like, oh man, that was. I don't know that I can do it again. Whereas this time felt, yeah, enriching. Nice. Um. Will you speak to um, a little bit of your role as a as a songwriter, and uh, and just yeah, like maybe give a little insight into your writing process, some of your habits, and and also just some of your daily what what a typical day at home, not on the road, when you're engaged in your artistic processes, what what that looks like for you. Um, well, I'd say that like it's pretty ongoing, you know. Like I, you know, sometimes I think of it like a program that I've been running since I was a kid, and and I just kind of keep it like on in the background all the time, you know. So like songs are kind of always popping up. I I get super stoked when like out of nowhere comes a melody, you know. Like when you're just yeah. when you're just by you're just like hanging out doing the dishes or something and suddenly you're like do 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 and you're like wait a second is this my melody like do my did I just write a, is this is this it it's happening you know and then I get out my yeah. phone recorder and I quickly uh, you know make sure I at least capture like the 
the bare bones of like, you know, but I mean, if you're not, you know, if you're just enjoying the world and all of a sudden a melody pops in your head, that is a great day. <laughs> you know, and then, and then I feel like I've got a job to do, you know, uh, like we're like, if it, you know, it's like, let's, let's buff that thing out. What is it saying to me? What does it want to be? Um, and as far as like process, I mean, you know, it's, I write I, well, it's funny, when I did this thing the other day at, um, you know, it was like all these activists speaking, and it was a lot, it was a lot of doom and gloom about it was the oil spill, you know, and, and um, there were some great songwriters there who had like some pretty heavy things, you know, not heavy, but, uh, you know, inspiring things, and I was like, well, you know, where's, what's my role in this? And I was like, well, I'm good at... Uh, making people smile and like bringing a little levity to the situation, even though I still, I mean, I feel like even the All Right Soon song, like was like, you know, I was like hanging out with my buddy and he just seems to get hit with like so much stuff. I mean, part of it, he's got a huge family, you know, and so it's very dynamic, you know, there's just all these swells and, um, and, and I was just, we were actually jamming ukuleles on like his front porch and all of a sudden like, I can't remember what happened, uh, but someone came home and gave him some bad news, and you were like, oh, no, like I thought, we, you know, and, and all of a sudden I was just like, it'll be all right soon, I don't know when, <laughs> but just hold tight, you know, and I feel like that's a good space for me to occupy, um, like some trying to like find like an appropriate optimism. Sure. Um, yeah, and then as far as like, yeah, my process, I don't know. I'm just kind of always working on it. You know, sometimes I'm like, I get, uh, yeah, I mean, it's still a bit of a mysterious process. The other day I went to write a song with these kids um, and I wasn't sure how it would go. And my friend, uh, they were junior high kids at this middle school. And they're taking... Uh, your daughter's middle school? No, nope, it was not a middle school that I have any affiliation with. Um, okay. But we were just looking for some new... Uh, yeah, well, my, my friend, uh, does. she does this campaign called Love Letters to the Sea, uh, where you write love letters to things that you... Uh, to people that you're appreciating, you know, you, like your congressman or your... Um, or the ocean or... You know, and she kind of does this as a um, practice, like at rallies and things, because uh, she feels like, you know, you could... There can always be a little more love... And especially like the things that you care about that you that you sometimes don't really express it to them, you know, both people and even right. things, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, like your instruments or your whatever it could be. So anyway, so she has this, you know, she sets up these tables and you make these really nice love letters and it's um, it's a good practice. And she does it with these kids and she teaches an art and activism class. And she really had hopes of the kids who are all great musicians writing a song. And she thought I could help them, and so, you know, we talked about, like, what kind of song do we want to write, and, you know, what should it say, and the kids were super insightful, and then we just got on the instruments and started jamming, and the song just totally flowed, and it was awesome. <laughs> and I just awesome. couldn't, and I couldn't believe it, that, like, there it was, you know, and, like, you're just like, wow, that's such, it's still such a strange process that, like, a bunch of people can just get in a room and start throwing lyrics around and singing little snippets here and then all of a sudden at the end of like a half hour this little thing emerges and everybody's super pumped on it you know it's 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 pretty awesome it's also amazing to me just with 
considering how little most especially in the the pop rock world like you know there's there's a pretty finite amount of chords in your average yeah you know folk or pop or rock song you know and it's like you, you know you most of them aren't even really dealing with more than you know three or four totally and there's just a limited amount of melody notes really just 12 in our system (laughs) that we're dealing with and it's like still how do you you know how do you get the same cfg and it's it's a different song than i know know, it's 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 kind of blows my mind i know and and that it can work again (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know and that the old ones still work you know like right um my father-in-law we were just out with him yesterday and he gets real like He's kind of all, going through an Alzheimer's thing, and he gets so emotional whenever we play him music. Um, and we were playing him Tom Petty, which he normally loves, but it was like bringing him to tears because um, it was getting him making those, and maybe because he knew that Tom Petty had died. And so then we went back and put on Chuck Berry, uh, and then that kind of got him feeling happy. And then we en- ended with Tequila, you know, that, was, that song, dun, 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 yeah. dun. And it just sounded so awesome, and it was just so hard not to just be happy, <laughs> you know? And it's got, like, and I never really, like, paid super close attention. I mean, like, the beginning's, like, this kind of uh, strummy guitar with, like, this really reverby hand clap going through the whole thing, you know? And then, like, the saxophone drops with the drums, and it's just such a rad song, and... You know, he thought like, God, it's just dun dun dun. It's just those two little parts. Totally works. You know. We should we should uh, we should do that on tour. Yeah, we should. I was t- I was totally thinking it. I think it would probably fit well in maybe Plastic Bubble, and that you could mm-hmm. even have like a guest saxophone player who just appears out of the crowd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it just sort of takes it over, and it would be awesome. I'm into it. Um, Zach, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thanks, Ezra. I got, I got, uh, I got one other question. Sure. Um, if you, if you, yeah. For it. yeah. <clears throat> so back, um, referencing your uh, latest solo album, which is which is fantastic. I, I'd recommend Life in the Multiverse. Yeah, I really, really enjoy that. It's, uh, I feel like it, it gets, it gets better with repeated listens. I'll say. Yeah, it was um, definitely meant to. There's, there's a lot in there. It's kind of dense, actually. Yeah, like, like, like most, most good, good records. records. Yeah. Um, anyway, I noticed your record is divided into two sides, side A and side B. Why? Uh, good question, Ezra. Well, I mean, it, they... okay. Well, I'll just I'll just stop right there, and and, and I was I was trying to get a crack smile out of you because that's I, I, <laughs> do you, you know where that question's from, right? Yes. Okay, I'll, I'm just gonna interject, but Zach has this amazing. Um, video you can find on on zachgill.com uh interviews from the multiverse episode one which i saw for the first time last night with with my wife which was hysterical and um there's this uh how would you how would you describe your inner interview uh interviewer (laughs) character which is played by you yourself (laughs) i don't know what what he was all about (laughs) (laughs) sort of a uh if i could Sort of take a stab, sort of a uh, slicked back ponytail hair, Zach, in, in this kind of like kimono-ish robe and very affectionately but creepily um, <laughs> petting a small dog uh, and speaking in a Russian-ish 
accent. I notice your record is divided into two sides, side A and side B. Why? And then and then it's split screen, and then you see the the interviewer character kind of very much lavishly and over the top uh, ecstatically responding to everything, the kind of more humble, uh, put together hankered bandana around the neck uh you know <laughs> hat hat doning zach yeah. Gale is and, and it's pretty hysterical um but but there is you know but there is actually a an answer to that question which is which you uh which you articulate um so maybe you can you can answer that question here too i mean truth be told like it uh, you know i have at some point, I was like, had a lot of songs. <laughs> it's like, there's probably more songs on here than should be. One side is sort of outgoing, and the other side is pretty introverted and like more uh, like a, a by my, you know. In fact, I think even the way they were recorded, like the songs of the second half are mainly like started as solo garage band demos, where the songs on the first half you know, kind of had live other musicians with me from the get-go, so it just sort of went down that way. And then it started feeling like, you know, the first half you might put on, like, in the morning, and the second half you might put on as you were going to bed. Um, mm -hmm. Although it's not as cut and dry as that, but it started feeling like that. A little more introspective. Yeah, than, uh, I think so. Yeah, introspection yeah. versus extra. Extra suspension, is that <laughs> That that reminds me of. Uh, are you familiar with uh, Gillian Welch's "The Harrow and the Harvest"? Maybe. Which that was that was her last record. Came out uh, two or three years ago. It's great, great record. Like pretty much, I, I'm a big fan of all her work. But yeah. it's even the title, "The Harrow and the Harvest," describes the first half of the record is a little more uh, joyful and playful and optimistic and. Um, and then the second half of the record is a little darker. Uh, or actually, I think it's the other way around. The harrow and the harvest. Um, but anyway, the kind of I mean, I think, think it's probably... Light I, and dark. I, yeah, I mean, I think that it just happens all the time, you know, and varying degrees of light and dark, like, permeate everything. And it's weird, too, like, the... With Jack, we'll do, like, it always seems like uh, one album is, like, introverted Jack and one album is extroverted Jack. And they seem to just happen, like, naturally, like, on their own, you know? Like, that just seems to be, like, the crop of songs that he writes. Mm -hmm. um, and I, So I think probably most people have some version of that. It gets a little more complicated, though, when you have a band, because I think sometimes bands can take the, in ways that are interesting, can take the something that might be naturally melancholy, but like give it a groove or something. And then <laughs> you're like, I don't know where this song fits on the yeah. emotional spectrum. You know, <laughs> like we were just talking about, uh, I keep forgetting. Yeah. On Jan Cruz. That's yeah. Michael McDonald's song. Yeah. It's and, so and sad. You were saying how, yeah, it's, it's just really sad lyrically, but like, if you're not paying attention to the lyrics, you would never know. You'd think it's a love song, you know, and it's, it's I the mean, opposite. Yeah, the, the saddest part is like song. the most joyful. It's like heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, what's funny about, yeah. It's funny about grooves. Um, and lyrics and chords, you know, and you know, but but at the same time, 
if that song had different production it, and different treatment, it may not have ever been a hit. Well, so. exactly. I mean, I, yeah. And if you're dealing with commercial music, you're definitely already in like another <laughs> another canon of like need, you know, like commercial music's a funny thing, like where it falls. It, I mean, it's because we were trying to write this love this love song for the ocean the other day with the kids and they brought up uh, that song Pumped Up Kicks by Foster the People. Do you know no, that song? No, I don't know. You probably no, no, do. I, I, it, it's okay. like, all the other kids with the pumped up kicks better run, 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 outrun okay. my gun. It's, it was a big hit. Yeah, yeah. It's got this little whistling chorus and it's real bouncy and it's got a great groove. But it's all about like uh, gun violence in a high school. It's super dark when you actually read the right. li- lyrics, but you would never have known that, you know. Mm. And then when, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen them perform it, like, for a bazillion people at, like, you know, a festival in Spain. You know, <laughs> everyone's just dancing to it, and you just don't, like, wow, that's wild, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah, there's uh, kind of like Born in the USA. Perfect example, Yeah. <laughs> Which which really is a, a protest song, but then it's played at football rallies and people yeah, are totally. Like, yeah. Well, you know, it's weird. Uh, there's that Malcolm Gladwell uh, thing where he does about he kind of talks about like satire and irony in comedy, and he's talking about um, you know he's talking about like Tina how Tina Fey got so popular doing Sarah Palin, mm-hmm. and then at first it's like you know Sarah Palin is so crazy. You know, and Tina Fey's like, you know, satirizing her and it's to like bring awareness to the fact that this is so crazy. But then at the moment where like Sarah Palin comes on Saturday Night Live and then like shakes, you know, and is like there with Tina Fey. And it's, at that point, it's more about like, oh, this is whatever, you know, it's almost like shake hands and show it's all in jest, you know. And then like he's sort of like at that moment, all the teeth get taken out of the satire. Yeah. And 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 it it actually de it, it goes against what the initial intention. Yeah, might totally. Have been. It, it actually yeah. like supports Sarah Palin's campaign. <laughs> it right. makes her more. Yeah. It makes her more likable because now she's forever associated with Tina Fey and laughter and good yeah. times. You know. Yeah, and it and it diffuses the absurdity of <laughs> yeah which is just interesting her, yeah. yeah yeah it makes her like oh she, she what seems so fringe now is actually kind of normalized you know mm-hmm. um but it's weird yeah the energy shifts yeah yeah it's a complicated world ezra <laughs> it sure is but <laughs> it'll be all right soon it's be all I, right, I like man. to think yeah i really do yeah And there you have it, folks. That was fun. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did at the time. And um, yeah, thanks, thanks for tuning in. I'll be back. I'll be back in a couple weeks. I'll, 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 I'll give you that. And in the meantime, if you want to tell your friends and share this on social media and rate it on iTunes and and write a review and all that, it really helps. It helps get the word out there and all that. I would love your support. Thank you. Uh, as we embark further on this journey together. Thank you, Zach, again, for being such a lovely guest. Such a pleasure talking to you. Could have gone on longer. And I'll see you all soon. Thanks so much. This is Ezra Lip from the Ezra Lip More or Less Hour. Ezra Lip Hour More or Less, signing off. Okay.